Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and joining me today for an impromptu and unplanned edition of the podcast today is my co-host, Curtis, who was kind enough to work this out and jump on for a few minutes today. We were not scheduled to record today, hence the unplanned nature of this podcast. Uh, We were actually not scheduled to record until tomorrow night, But as you all know, there has been some fairly big news coming out of fall camp already, and we've already gotten a ton of questions about all that news. So we tried to move some things around and found a small window here that where we could both jump on and discuss all that news for you guys today. So we will get to all of that news in just a minute, but just a few reminders before we do. Please, if you haven't had a chance yet, and you enjoyed the show, give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know that you enjoyed the show. That really does help us as we continue to try to bring you guys our unique brand of Georgia football, Georgia sports coverage, I should say. A big shout-out to Dog and Cola for our most recent five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Really appreciate that, man. Uh, Some really kind words there. Can't thank you enough. And that goes for everyone, of course, who is already reviewed the show. I know time is precious and even just taking 30 seconds to type out a, a review for our show, that that takes a, l- a little bit of time out of your day and we're just very grateful for any of your help there. So thank you guys for that. We're getting closer and closer to that goal of 300 five-star ratings and reviews by the time the season rolls around. We're up to 287, I think, off the top of my head there. So we're getting closer, guys. Just a couple more and we will hit that goal. And don't forget to follow us on our new Instagram account. We are getting very close to 200 followers on Instagram. I know that's modest right now, but hey, it's been we've had it going for, what, two weeks now? So we're, we're very happy with that. Uh, we're, I think we're at 194, 195. I think last time, yeah, 194 as of right now. So six more and I will do 
a Instagram live session where I can interact directly with you guys. You can ask me questions directly. You're going to have a good time and, and do some different things there. So that will be a lot of fun. And every time we get 100 new followers, we will do an Instagram live session. So once we get 200, once we get 300, once we get 400, we'll do an Instagram live and have a lot of fun with that. And that's just Glory UGA podcast on Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. We've been on there for a while. Instagram is new. Uh, Facebook, Glory UGA podcast, uh, that page on Facebook. Follow, uh, like, interact, all those good things. That really does help us, guys. And we just really like to interact with you guys, kind of building that community. It's a lot of fun to kind of get your thoughts on things. So we certainly do encourage that. And last thing here, I do want to remind you guys that the Glory UGA podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Alumni Hall. You guys know as well as I do, the Georgia football season, the college football season at large is just a few short, very short weeks away. Seems like a long way away, but it's just right around the corner. So if you're looking for new game day gear to get you in the right frame of mind for this new 2021 season, Alumni Hall, guys, I'm telling you, it's 100% the place to go. They got the best selection, the best prices, the best deals, the best rewards, the best vintage collection, the best customer service, really the best everything, if you want me to be honest with you guys. They've also got a student discount for all UGA students, 10% off of every purchase. Veterans as well, they honor our veterans by giving you guys a 10% discount on every single purchase as well. Uh, I mentioned that they have the best deals. They just had a 25% off deal, a flash sale uh, last Friday. Be on the lookout, guys. Even if you're not sure you want to buy anything right now, go ahead, go to alumnihall.com or show up to their store in person there. Give them your email address and they will send you all those flash sales, all those deals directly to your email address and you'll have those and you'll know you'll find out the real right times to buy that's kind of what i do to be honest i just kind of wait for those deals to come in as soon as i see it to me that's time to go it's go time baby time to go to go buy some some georgia gear uh so you can do that in person that's in athens here at the epps bridge in the epps bridge shopping center or you can buy it online at alumnihall.com make it really painless easy for you guys about an easy even online process that you're going to find online there so it's a no-brainer, guys. If you're looking for Georgia gear, Alumni Hall is absolutely the place to go. But all right, news, news, news. Lots of news to discuss here on the podcast. And the first couple of items, really the big two items we want to discuss today, are not the types of news stories that you want coming out of fall camp. We all want news. We all want the inside info, but... We don't want this kind of info. This is not what we want to be hearing. Absolutely not. This is the stuff that keeps me up at night. Like I I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again for those of you who are new to the show. I literally wake up every morning. This is not a, a during football season thing. This is a year-round thing. I would literally wake up every morning, and the very first thing I do is I reach over, I grab my phone, and I very groggily scroll through social media and all of my different sports sites to see if any of our guys got hurt or got arrested, any bad news happened overnight before I went to bed. That's the last thing I do before I go to bed. It's the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning. It absolutely, 100% is exactly what I do, guys. I, I promise you. So this is not what I want to be hearing. This is the kind of stuff that keeps me up. This is the reason I had to do these kinds of things. But this first item, and man, it's just really unfortunate on a lot of levels this hit, if you guys are listening to our last episode that Charlie and I did, this hit as Charlie and I were recording that mailbag episode last night. We saw at the very tail end of the episode, but we didn't really have any info. Like Charlie happened to scroll across it while I was wrapping the show up and um, she just kind of brought it up and I was trying to like look at it vaguely as I was kind of trying to end the show. So I didn't really have much info to go off of, so we didn't really get too much into it. 
But as all of you have undoubtedly heard by now, special teams coach Scott Cochran is not currently with the Georgia football team. He is dealing with some personal issues. Um, I'm going to leave it at that because, and this is a me thing, I guess, but as far as I'm concerned, his personal business does not need to be aired on our podcast. Um, You can read into all the the things you've heard and all the, the different reports out there, I guess. You can read into them what you want, but I guess what I will say is that it really is a personal thing what's going on here. There's no scandal or or anything like that. It's not a juicy scandal that's going to blow up and destroy the entire program. So if you're worried about that, I can can tell you to rest easy. It's nothing like that. But um, Cochran's not with the team, and he may or may not be back at some point in the season depending on, on how things go with what he is dealing with. Uh, I really do hate to be vague with that. I know, I know, I know that's annoying, but I just, um, I don't know. I just personally want to let the man be right now. I I think that's the best thing here for us to do. And um, who steps in but good old Will Muschamp off the bench from the support staff, gets the call up, jumps right into an on-field job a lot earlier than any of us could have anticipated. So a couple of things here, Curtis. And I think the place to start, the, the obvious first question that comes to mind for me is how much of a distraction do you think all of this is to the team? Like, is this going to have a tangibly negative effect on this 2021 Georgia football team? I'm honestly going to say no. I think the biggest reason I say that is I'm, while I know practice really only started Friday, no one really heard anything till Sunday. Um, and it seems like this... It was not new within the program or especially within Coach Smart and people like that from what we can gather. And if that's the case, then I don't think – I mean, you know, it's probably a little bit of an interruption, inconvenience, yes, but a huge distraction, All you know, all those adjectives and things that you can use. I don't know if I'd go that far considering, like I said, we are just now hearing this and they've already been through a lot of – you know, a lot of getting ready to get to this point and we're just now hearing it. So I feel like if it had been that big of a thing – it would have come out a lot sooner. Yeah, I think this is something. Like, I don't. I honestly don't have the inside information here on how long Kirby has known and all. How long has the team known? I don't know that. I'm not going to sit here and tell you something that I don't know. I'm not going to make stuff up. That's just no. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, however, I can kind of try to read between the lines here with some of the things that have been going on. First of all, I'll say like Kirby can't. I mean, look, things can just pop at any moment, but Kirby tends to do a really good job of managing not just the roster, but also his coaching staff. I mean, like, Curtis, let's think about this for a second. How much credit is Kirby Smart, and also our, our just in general, our athletic department, how much credit do they deserve by putting up – I know they didn't pay him a ton of money, but they're paying Will Muschamp pretty good money for a support staff guy. How much credit do they deserve for putting that money up and having him, like, just sitting there on the bench and just in case something like this happens or if somebody moves on after the year? Like, that's a pretty big move at this point, right? I think it's a huge move. Not only that, but it seems recent, like in the last couple of weeks. Or I mean, we're not sure the exact date, but that Kirby added an assistant, more or less, that had actually won an award at Oklahoma State years ago. So I don't know how how you know what went into that. If that had anything to do with Cochran or anything, but once again, that hire looks help. You know, look, yeah, good. and the guy you're talking about was Robbie Disher. Robbie Disher actually, it's one of those guys he was hired, I think, in March. And I'm sure most of you didn't even pay attention. We didn't talk about this podcast, and we're a Georgia podcast. 
you know, when we, we don't talk about all the different support staff hires that are made, unless it's like a Will Muschamp type guy coming over. But Robbie Disher, you mentioned Garcia was the Oklahoma State years back. He actually, we hired him from Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. He was an on-field coach there. And we hired him, kind of like Buster Faulkner was an on-field coach, and we hired him as a sports staff guy. He's willing to make the move over here off the field as, as a sports staff guy because he thinks that's a better move long-term for his career. So that's back in, I think that was like early to mid-March. So I don't know if Kirby had an inkling that that was going to happen. Like this, Maybe he knew all the way back then. I, I don't know. I have a hard time believing that because Scott Cocker, was, he was coaching spring practice at that time. So I, I don't know if Kirby had any knowledge there. But it's certainly not out of the question that he had. Like maybe there's some he had some inkling of something going on. But at the very least, just the fact that he does a great job of stacking our support staff with guys that are legit coaches, guys that have been different places as on-field coaches and done a really good job stacking them up like that is kind of like a minor league system. And I know that he's not the the, the one who created like the support staff thing. It's really more of a Nick Saban cut type thing. And of course, Kirby was under Nick Saban. He learned that. But give Kirby credit. It's one of those things he's taken from Saban. It's one of those things where you know I love Mark Rick. I love. I still to this day love Mark Rick. I think he got a. a I don't know if he got a raw deal. I think it was time to move on when we moved on. But you know, one of the things that Mark Rick didn't necessarily do as well as Kirby has done, and partly this was also the athletic department. Maybe maybe not giving him the, the financial resources that they have provided Kirby with. That's a fair thing to say. But Kirby has beefed up our support staff in a huge way. And I and I know you think, well, they okay, well, they what do they do? They're they're off the field, guys. That they do a they do a lot of things, whether it's recruiting, there's certain restrictions on what they can do with the recruiting, but they're on on if they're uh, the players are on campus, they can recruit those guys, they can interact with them. If the player calls them, then they can then they can they can interact and talk to them on the phone, that kind of thing. So you know, they do a lot of things game planning wise, breaking down tape. They are a huge part of what we do. All right. The more eyes you have working for your program, the better. So Kirby's done a great job there, and it's really paying off in a situation like this. So I I just want to put that out there. And I'm with you, Chris. I don't know. I don't know how much of a distraction this is going to be. We're talking about a special teams coach, right? Now, he's a voice out there, and we know Scott Cochran's a loud voice, but he has nothing directly to do with the offense or the defense. Now, special teams is a third of the, of the game. Obviously, that is a big deal. But special team for years was just kind of divided up among various coaches, and we didn't even have like a dedicated special teams coordinator. So I'm not – like if, if you're going to lose a coach on your staff right before the season starts, you know, a couple of weeks before the season starts – I think the special teams coordinator is probably the one that's most disposable. Is that like, I, I, I know that sounds terrible when he's dealing with a personal issue like he's dealing with, but is that a fair assessment of the situation, Kurt? Yeah, it's not the disposable. It's almost like the one that can happen as much without as much of an interruption. Is yeah, that's, how and that's what we're not disposable. Like, it's just like if you have to lose one, that's the one to lose, right? Well, especially with the fact of with his background, he's not there like when we had um, Kevin Butler and stuff to work with our kickers. He's not one of these guys that's going to watch a kicker and know right away what he's doing. So it's not like uh, the kicking, especially the specialist, um, yeah. it's going to interrupt their thing as much. And, and Scott Cochran, like, you know, there was all this consternation when he first came over. He said, this guy's never coached special teams before. Like, how how are we giving him this on-field job? He's got no background there. And it's like, well, you're right. now. And But now people are like freaking out. Oh, my God, now we lost Scott Cochran. It's like, well, a year ago you were convinced this guy could even coach special teams. So like, it, it's not like he's a special teams coach by trade like Scott Fountain was maybe a couple of years back. Uh, and neither is Will Muschamp. Neither is Will Muschamp. 
But again, we've got Robbie Drish, Disher on, on staff as a support staff guy, and he can do a lot of things helping Muschamp behind the scenes, kind of getting him up to speed with those things. And Will Muschamp has also been a head coach before, not necessarily a great head coach, but he's been a head coach. So he's been involved in all different phases of the team and phases of the game, not directly as like that position coach, but he's been involved in all those things. So I think that gives him a little bit more of expertise than maybe just your average guy coming in off the bench trying to fill a role that he's never really had to fill before. Uh, but speaking of Will Muschamp, Curtis, what is Will – again, if you guys haven't heard this, I think we just laid it out there. Will Muschamp is now taking over, at least for now, as this, it seems to be I – I have not heard it specify that he's going to be like the special teams coach, but that's the position that's available, so it just kind of makes sense he's filling in for Scott Cochran. But what do you think his role is going to be? Is it just special teams? Is it going to be a little bit of everything? Is he going to have his hands on the defense? Like what do you see Muschamp doing? Um, I'm gonna see. I would see. I think you're gonna see him doing everything with the defense. Um, kind of being like, almost like the C. Because you know Kirby's gone more towards the CEO, especially because he started to trust Landing and Schumann more. But almost like, you know that that weasel that everyone hates when you watch movies. That's like the the eyes and ears for the CEO and goes and watches what everyone. The right hand man. I feel yeah, exactly. Hinchman, I mean, Hinchman, yeah, yeah. He's he, like that's who he's going to be, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because um, he, you know, he's had experience, like you mentioned, head coaching, where he's not focusing on one position, where he's done it all. And so I think you're going to see him do that. And I think his biggest and best, the the best positive that we're going to get out of this is the fact that now Muschamp can recruit like an on field coach can. Absolutely, hundred percent. That's like he's going to have an impact. With his presence on the field. Will Muschamp's guys, I know he didn't work out as a head coach. This guy is a good football coach. Like, just coaching a position, that kind of thing. That's what Will Muschamp does well. It's just kind of the CEO thing, really just hiring an offensive coordinator that was his downfall as a head yeah. coach. That's really yeah, what I was. Yeah, I was disappointed um, when Kirby was getting hired that Muschamp, you know, his name popped up for that South Carolina job because I think he would have been a great D.C., especially with Kirby and their familiarity with each other. Um, and that, that's the thing I got. You know, we have talked before that, you know, getting off track, but that he may not be the best head coach, but the guy certainly knows how to coach a defense. That's never been his problem. I mean, look how bad he exposed us, you know, Jake Fromm's final year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And look, I, I, uh, I've always felt that when we hired Muschamp in the support staff role, that it was kind of like a, a kind of a coaching waiting thing to be our next defensive coordinator. That's what, and I don't have any inside information on that. That's just kind of like my, the sense that I got from this. Because if you think about it, okay, Dan Lanning's here. How much longer is Dan Lanning to be here? You know, he's he's an up and coming coach. He's gotten some nibbles from some from, from some of these like kind of minor programs as, as a head coach. And I don't know, maybe he'll be a Kirby Smart and he'll stay and he'll wait for the right job. Maybe, but Kirby Smart's a rare. Most guys don't wait that long. They just don't. They they jump at something when it's a good situation. You know, like look at my Bobo. My Bobo going to Colorado State. And I know there's some situations there with, with Pruitt and and Rick Status. I get all that. But there's a good chance that, especially if we had the kind of year that we want to have this year, that we could potentially have, that Dan Manning could be gone for this year, right, Kurt? And yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you mentioned uh, can, or the small schools like Kansas, but even schools are trying to come out pay us for him as a D.C., as you saw with Florida sure. State. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. obviously, yeah, Mike Norvell, who knew him from Memphis when Manning was at Memphis, he made a run for him, so we've had to pony up. And so like, I would love to keep Dan Lane. I actually like Dan Lane more than you do, Curtis. I know you're not completely a 1,000% sold on him. I think he does a good job. Is he the best coordinator in the world? I don't know if he's the best, but I think he does a good job. Um, but I don't know if he's going to be with this program all that much longer. I think the odds would say probably not. It's not impossible. He could be, he could be the next Kirby and just stay until he gets like the perfect SEC job. 
But I just don't know if that's likely. That's not what most coaches do. So you want to – and Kirby does, again, he does a great job of stocking the coffers, like the, the minor leagues, and just having it full for guys to, to come up and be – to kind of fill in. And Will Musham, I think, was a, a perfect role for that. Because look, think about Will. Think about the situation Will was in. All right, so he's getting – paid a ton of money from South Carolina to go away, right? Doesn't need the money. Um, he gets to come back. His son's here on in the program um, playing. One son's a sports staff guy. So he has to be around his family, be around, be around his sons, which he hasn't really been able to do for a long time. Now he's always coaching, guys. It's like a, it's like an 80, 100-hour-a-week job, easy, especially during the season, really all year long. It's not around his kids' loss. Now he gets to be around the kids. Life slows down a little bit. Doesn't have to worry about money. So he gets paid pretty well considering what he's doing. And you get to come back and live in uh, in Athens where you went to school. You get to come back to your all mater, get to coach with one of your best friends, Kirby Smart. It makes a lot of sense. And look, Will Muschamp is not marketable as a head coach. The man knows that, right? He knows he's going to have to rehab his reputation. What better place to do that than Georgia, where you're going to have access to incredible talent, top recruiting classes year in, year out. You got Kirby Smart. You know, defense is always going to be a big deal here. Always going to have good defenses no matter what. And Will Muschamp is an outstanding defensive coordinator. So if he comes here and, let's say, Lanning moves on, he becomes our defensive coordinator, that's how you rehab your reputation, right? Yeah, especially in, like you said, I mean, it's an alma mater. Like, what better place to go, you know, get back to your roots? Absolutely. So I think he was going to be the next defensive coordinator. I don't know when that was going to happen. I think he was kind of content to sit and wait. Because, again, he he has the money. He doesn't need a job right now. No one's hiring him as a head coach right now. And he might. I'm sure some programs will try to hire him as defensive coordinator. But, again, like, what better place do you have than Georgia? And in the meantime, you said you got a couple years. You can wait and spend time with your kids, your wife, all that. Live life a little bit. Be around your buddy, Kirby Smart, and all that. So I think this is kind of just accelerating that process. I know he's not a defensive coordinator, but he's on the field faster than I think anyone thought he would be. I don't think anyone necessarily foresaw this. Um, so, yeah, I think this kind of just accelerates that process. I think it makes it even more clear to me that once Lanning moves on, that it's Muschamp's job, in my opinion. If, if, if Lanning moves on the next year or two, which I think is certainly a, a pretty strong likelihood, don't know for sure, but I'd put my money on that at this point. So, yeah. I, now, let me ask you this, Curtis. You mentioned that you think he's going to kind of be have his hands on this defense. Does that potentially cause any discord on the staff with guys like Dan Lanning and Glenn Schumann who maybe aren't as familiar with him as Kirby is and might be a little defensive of him coming in and trying to, to be a little domineering on that side of the ball? I don't think so because they. I think they've actually had to start getting used to it because – he may not have been an on-field coach, but I think in the defense, breaking down practice films and doing all these things behind the scenes that we don't know about and probably going to Kirby and reporting, you know, where they can improve, you know, doing all that henchman type work, but behind the scenes. So I think well, that's what he was brought in to do. There's no doubt he's been doing and, that. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's already been going on. So I think that they've already got a taste of it. Now, maybe they may rub them, but I think, but also at the same time, Muschamp has been around that I think he, I think he also kind of knows how to handle it. Um, you know, he's, I think I will defer to his experience at, you know, under Saban, all these other people. So I think he knows how to do it and work well with others. Um, yeah. He's almost like, and let's a, not forget Kirby smarts an alpha guys. Kirby smarts are going to yeah. let that happen. No, exactly. It, he wouldn't do put his t- in a situation to where George is back to what you heard of Pruitt where he had assistant coaches trying to fight each other out on the field. Like, I think he he's the type of control freak that would put a stop to that real quick and never put a team in a situation like that. Yeah, and I don't think he would put Kirby Smart in that situation. They're too close for that to happen. I just I don't think he'd put in that situation. So I I know some people DM me and were asking me about that. And like I, I can't completely dismiss it. Things are possible. I know football is a passionate sport. People get their juices flowing. I get all that. I just 
I don't think Kirby Smart's gonna let that happen. Maybe I'm putting too much faith in Kirby Smart. I just I don't think that that's gonna be something that we have to worry about. That's just my take. I could be wrong. Could be proved wrong. Hope I'm not proved wrong. But that's kind of where I am on that right now. Of course, this is this next question. This is uh, it's a tough question to ask because I it's gonna sound like a shot at Scott Cochran. I certainly don't intend it to to come out that way. But could this actually, in some strange way, end up working in Georgia's favor on the field? It's hard to say because I will say the one thing Cochran did a great job of is I felt like our special teams last year was really disciplined, high energy. We didn't lose any games because of our special team. So he had them playing at a really good rate, especially on coverage and punts and things like that. Um, yeah. And so I, you may miss him because especially if Muschamp's going to be looking into the defense and things, I don't know if he'll have that fine-tuned focus just on special teams as you saw with Scott Cochran. Yeah. Um, but I could also very well see it helping the defense, yes. And it just amazes me seeing how much, like, if, is he truly just straight up a special teams coordinator? Or is it, are we going kind to of divide special teams among a couple of different coaches like has been done in the past and he's just kind of out there helping coach, you know, the secondary a little bit, doing a little bit on the D. Like, I just don't know exactly what. Well, and the question, too, is how long does it last? Yeah, that's that was my See, last question here. This really also mm-hmm. understands this. Or since it's so fresh, you know, everyone's, you know. But that's so weird, man. Like, even if Scott Cochran is ready to come back, do you really think that we just say, all right, man, cool, come on. It's like week 10. Yeah, man, come on back. You're good. And Will, you're out. Like, is that – what's going to happen? No, that's the thing. I think if he's not back by the start of the season, then he's out for the year. I think it, I think that has to be how it works out because you, like you said, once the continuity is there and all these things, you can't. It's one of those that do you really? You can't like so. Just let, and look at who knows if we're undefeated. We might lose the first game, but let's say we're undefeated going to the Florida game and like Scott Cochran walks in the room. He's like, "Hey, y'all, I'm back," and you're like, "Nah, uh, hey man, we're we're really glad you're doing well, but do we want to mess with a good thing?" I don't That's know. Once you're at that point, it is hard to say. Yeah, I just I don't know if I do that. And I, I don't Kirby's know. always tough. Kirby's always been one too of not rocking the boat. He is, but he him and Scott Cochran are really tight, man. Their families are tight, so it's like I don't well, know. If he that may not into it. That's the thing too. We just don't know how bad it is. He could also say like I. You may have rushed. You know, there's just so yeah. many unknowns, mm-hmm. and then also like you're throwing away Muschamp to the side and all the work he's done, and they're very close. Like there's just all those unknown factors. It's messy. It's messy. I, I don't think it's it really is, that it's, much, it's just so dangerous to speculate. Yeah, it really is. Like it, it's just one of those things. Like you gotta be really careful here. I just looking from the outside looking in. I just I don't. If he, you're right, if he doesn't come back before the season starts, I don't know how you can just like kind of like replace Muschamp again with Cochran this year during this season. I just I don't know. Maybe going to next year, I'm fine with that. But like in the middle of the season, if you got things rolling, I just. I don't know if you want to do anything to mess with a good thing. I, I don't know. I, I don't know there. But I do like what you said. Go back to it real quick. I, I think one of the big advantages here is having Muschamp like, with no restrictions from a recruiting standpoint, right? Now, he has been able to do some recruiting as a, as a support staff guy, but there are restrictions there. Those restrictions are removed, and he's just basically – he is an on-field coach now, so he can call these guys and go visit them, all those kind of things. So that helps them. Scott Cochran's a good recruiter himself, but Will Muschamp is – always been a very, very good recruiter. He, I mean, he was recruiting guys. So I'm getting five stars, five stars. I mean, South you're Carolina. already hearing people like Kari Wilson talk about. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, absolutely. I mean, there are guys that talk about him right now that we're still – some of these big-time guys that we're still recruiting heavily right now. So I think that does have at least some ancillary benefit there. That's – I mean, it's not technically on the field for this year, but it'll be on the field for future years for sure. 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Okay, moving on here. The other bit of news that came out, uh, I think yesterday again was actually uh, some on-field news this time as projected starter starting center Warren Erickson has suffered a hand injury and will be out. I was told he'll be out a couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, this is exactly the kind of thing that takes years off of my life worrying about this time of year. Kurt, how much of a setback is Warren Erickson's injury for the team at this point? I don't think it's a huge setback for the team, especially considering the fact that it's so early in the spring pra- or in fall practice. Now, you know, a lot of people are talking that he may be the guy going to the round and all those things. Um, but the one thing I can definitely see happening is another Wally Pip or Jake Fromm type situation because we've all talked about Cedric Van Prant and everything he brings to the table. And I think as the season gone on, he, he was definitely going to start – if he hadn't already, he was going to be pushing Erickson more and more and more to hold him off. And this may open the door for him, kind of like you saw Kendall Milton and Kenny Mack, where it kind of looks like he's passed him up on the depth chart. Do you think that this is Cedric Van Pran and no one else that's really in the conversation to fill in for Erickson? I think so. You heard that uh, Salyer went and took some snaps, but I don't think that's what their long-term plan was. I think that was just to kind of finish the dr- what they were doing at the moment. Yeah. And then once you gather yourself, you go in there saying, okay, he's going to be taking all the first-team snaps going forward, and I believe it is Cedric Van Pran. Uh, you haven't really heard any other names like Clay Webb or anyone of that sort. It's Even going into the fall and now – or into the spring and now the fall, it's really been those two at the center position. Yeah, I thought this was a two-man battle for this job coming into the fall in, into fall camp. I think it was Erickson and and then obviously Cedric Van Pran. Erickson with the with the head up because he's been here in the program longer, had a little bit more experience in those kind of moments than Cedric Van Pran. We saw him start in the Peach Bowl last year, so he's got some starting experience. But Cedric Van Pran, I just I've always felt like long term has the higher ceiling. Now was he's close enough closer to getting that ceiling than like Erickson was to maxing out what he can do? Probably not. Uh, at least he was not last year, and he was working towards getting that point. But I think he's clearly the more athletic player there. I think he's got the higher long-term ceiling. I think he's got the better NFL future, all of those things. It's just a matter of getting him up to speed and kind of catching up to where Erickson was. We had a couple years on him. And I think a situation like this certainly helps. It's going to at least give him an opportunity to show what he can do in that role as the guy 
in a way that he otherwise would not have been able to do. Uh, that's that's what's going to happen here. So you mentioned it, Curtis. I actually had Wally Pitt in my next question. Do you like? I know we don't know. We got to see how Cedric Van Pran responds to this old SVP. But do you think this is? A, do you think? Question. I just need your opinion here. Do you think Erickson still has a job when he gets cleared, or is this one of those classic Wally Pitt scenarios? Well, if Cedric does what we all think he can do and puts it together, I don't. I think it's hard to replace him because he has speed and things like that that Erickson doesn't have, and especially when you're going to be going against Clemson. Having some speed like that, it's definitely going to help when you have such a good uh, defensive line. You're going to need to not be as reactionary and slow as – I'm not saying Erickson's slow, but any speed you know, is better than what Erickson has. Yes, he – Van Pran does have better footwork. He's quicker. All those things that you just said are true. I believe that. But do you really feel confident with him taking like his first meaningful snaps against that Clemson defensive line? Like, is that really a scenario that we want to be in? Well, I mean, uh, Erickson didn't do too too well against Cincinnati, and those were undersized yeah. guys. Yeah, it, it, yeah, but yeah, quicker guys too up front. They were undersized but quicker. That's kind of how Cincinnati structures their defensive line. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, Erickson has the experience. I'm more comfortable with Erickson because I feel like he knows what to do. And, and center guy is like, the, is like the quarterback of the offensive line. It's, it's an important position, calling out protections, that kind of thing, identifying the mic, all that stuff. It's important. Uh, it, it's more of a cerebral position than probably, than I, in my opinion, pretty clearly than anywhere else on the offensive line. So Erickson gave me kind of a comfort level in the fact that I just felt like he knew more what to do or could be trusted more there because he's just been around longer and has played a little bit more, not a ton more, but a little bit more than, than Van Pran. I don't know. It's just tough for me because, like, when you're playing against Clemson, any mistake is magnified because they're that good. Like, you can get away with, you know, making a few mistakes up front, blocking the wrong guy, calling the wrong protection out against, like, certain teams. You can still be all right. It's Clemson. It, it could be the difference between winning and losing. So that does concern me. From an athletic standpoint, I'm with you. I do agree that I think he is a superior athlete. Long term. See, I think I think my thing is I'm not as concerned considering the timing of it. Now, if, I, I, if it's going to happen, I'm glad it happened like within the first week of spring of fall camp, right? That's exactly. if it's going to happen, this is the time for it to happen. So he gets like about a month or so to to be that guy and get more familiar with the system. But I, I mean, still, it's just different, man. It's different when you got the Clemson defensive line out there. That stunning, slanting, shifting, being aggressive, doing the things that they do. They blitz a ton. Clemson blitzes about as much as anybody in the country, like top top 10, top – depending on what, what down and distance. I think when it's third down, they were top five in the country in blitz percentage last year. So this is a team that blitzes a lot, and that's in a very important role that you've got to have someone that can not only block guys like Brian Brissie with their athleticism, which Van Pran, I feel good about that with him, but you've got to have guys that can identify that, not just for his own assignments, but for the assignments for the rest of the offensive line. That's big. And so that does give me some concern there. I'm not going to lie. It gives me some concern. I think Van Pran athletically can do it. I think he's athletically a superior player to Erickson. It's just that, that inexperienced part and just the fact that I don't know what to expect from him from like a knowledge standpoint. Maybe he has it down. Maybe he's more comfortable and confident in that role than, than we even know. That's fantastic. I'm open to that possibility. But I'm still just – I don't know that. So I'm kind of – I'm concerned there a little bit. Um so you think that this is going to be Van Pran? Like he's going to take this job and not give it back? I think I have a feeling. I just think that he was he was kind of fighting at this point to hold him off. Yeah, I do too. Um, I do too. I I have that feeling. I don't know. I have that feeling though. Look, I'll say this: 
Van Pran's got about three weeks of a dress rehearsal here, right? Three or four weeks. Now, I mean, that's assuming Erickson gets back by the time the first game rolls around. Maybe he won't be back for that game. I don't know. Maybe he won't be cleared. But let's just say for the sake of argument that he is cleared in time for that game. Van Pran's got about three, four weeks here to show the coaches that he can be trusted and just earn their trust. That's a very important position where you got to earn trust. And, uh, and that's why sometimes you see some of these guys that might not be the most talented guys in the world that play that position at a high level and, do, and get NFL contracts um, because they just know what to do. They can be trusted. They're nasty, all that, all that kind of stuff. You know, you're talking about Ben Jones and, and David Andrews, those kind of guys. But, uh, yeah, I think he's got about three, four weeks to earn the job. And I really more so from a mental standpoint than anything. Because if not, if Erickson's back, I don't like I think the coaches like, don't you think if if they don't trust Van Pran, if he doesn't earn their trust, like if Erickson's cleared like the week of the game, I still think the coaches would feel comfortable putting him in, even though he hadn't practiced for a couple of weeks. Don't you? Yeah, I would agree. Because like they they've seen him out there a ton. He's he's a veteran, he's been around for a long time. Like he can kind of roll in and play if they just trust him that much more. So Van Pran's got he's got some work to do here to earn that trust. And I hope he can. Cause again, I think like from a ceiling standpoint, he has the higher ceiling. So it's probably in our best, best interest. If he does also master it from like that mental standpoint, just that knowledge standpoint, that comfort level standpoint, if he does that, I think we're probably going to be better off. Um, so maybe this will kind of accelerate that process. We'll see. We'll see there. You're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. All right. Last thing here. We've had some people asking what we've been hearing coming out of fall camp. I don't want to speak for you, Curtis, but I do want to I'll speak for myself here. I, I always try to make clear that I'm not I am 100% not an insider. All right. I am not. I don't get to attend practice. I don't work for the program in any capacity. I'm not a reporter who pumps source after source. That's not me. There are people who know far more than me and do this professionally. Trust them more than you trust me when it comes to this stuff, please. But saying that, I do, you know, I, I live, I work in Athens, and I, I do know a few people here and there that are occasionally kind enough to indulge my curiosities. And when I hear things, I try to bring them on here um, for whatever that's worth, like totally take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> Uh, and honestly, Kirby has things on lockdown right now. Like he always does, but he's taking it to a new level right now. So I really don't have much, but I'll share with you guys what I've got through a couple of days of practice. Uh, again, for whatever that's worth, take it with a grain of salt. But Curtis, I'll start with you, man. Um, real quickly here, I know you've got some law school stuff going on, so I don't know how much you've been getting, but have you gotten anything out of camp? Has anything come your way? No, not really. That's why I'm going to defer to you on this one. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, look, it's hard. It's hard to get information. Like I'm asking some people and they're like people that usually give me a little something like, nah, man, like I, I can't risk it right now. It's like, okay, cool. I got you. Um, a couple things though here. And like, these are things you probably already heard, like I'm sure somewhere, someone, you know, but um, just to pass along some things I've heard, not much, but people, you guys have been asking. So I'll give you what I got. 
Um, I've been hearing that AD Mitchell is like legit. And I think like, I don't know if that's something we didn't know, but I was told like, you know, what we saw in the spring was not a fluke. Like he's kind of just continuing on from, from what we saw in the spring, kind of continuing that momentum, carrying it forward into fall camp. And he's going to be a guy that's going to make plays for us this year. I don't know if he's going to be a starter. I don't know if he's working with the ones. I, I wasn't told any of that, but I just was told like, watch out for this guy. He's still doing great things. It appears that what we saw from him this spring was not a fluke. Um, and here, here's another receiver name that I was kind of surprised to hear. Honestly, I didn't. I haven't been thinking about him. To be honest. So when I when I heard his name, I was like, oh, okay. Uh, Lad McConkey. Um, he's a guy from recruiting a couple of years ago. I told you guys like we, he was a late signee, and I was like, you know, as far as late signees go, this is a guy. Like he always struck me as one of those guys. Like if we didn't offer him and didn't sign him, like he'd go somewhere else, like a Kentucky or something like that, and like be have a really good career there and always be like a pain in our back we'd always be like you hear every broadcast this is a guy that georgia didn't offer kentucky went and got him and now he's just giving georgia headaches like that kind of guy um but you know we've been recruiting really well receiver lately so i didn't know where he'd fit in but i mean i'm getting some pretty good feedback on him right now uh, i was told that he looks like a rotation guy like if the season started today he'd like be in the rotation we'll see he got a couple more weeks of practice to go so we've got to continue that um so that was an interesting one that that kind of came my way lad mcconkey kind of working out of the slot there um, you guys know I'm big on Brock Bowers. I told you, I told you from the very beginning, watch out for this guy. And um, not only has he been working at tight end, we know that, but I've been told he's been getting some reps at wide receiver at times, not working there exclusively or anything like that, but just getting some reps out there because he has that kind of ability, that kind of athleticism. Uh, I'm sure all you guys saw the the photo of James Cook. You saw that, right, Curtis? James yes, Cook I did. With the, with the arms, the biceps, baby. And we're all suckers for that kind of stuff. Good strength and conditioning offseason, right? So you all saw that, I'm sure. Um, but beyond that, like I was told like he's just he's just a different back right now. Um, what someone told me is, quote, he's operating with a purpose this year. You can imagine you came back and you had to come back this year. Uh, it would have been a first or second, maybe maybe a second round pick. I don't know. Um, but he came back, um, and this is a money year for him, and he wants to win a title. So that kind of that all fits. It all makes sense. We'll see. Like you hear a lot of things come out of fall camp, out of spring practice, and like I'd say maybe half of it ends up being true, if that. Uh, but just want you know, want to share some things. Um, I know we got the transfers coming in from Clemson and West Virginia, Darian Kendrick and Tyke Smith. Um, I asked about them specifically because I was just curious, like, are they fitting in? And um, again, they didn't get much. I was just told that they they look to be as advertised, and they should be locking down starting spots when uh, when the season rolls around. So that's what I got. I, I told you guys, not much. But Kirby's kind of on lockdown, man. So I'll, I'll keep trying to get as much as I can. And when I do, I'll bring it here again for whatever that's worth. But people have been asking, so I wanted to give you the very small tidbits that I got. But uh, all right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UGA podcast. Really appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to listen to us, support us here on the podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Glory under – no, just straight up at Glory UGA podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. Um, all that fun stuff. Rate and review. Five-star reviews. We're getting closer and closer to that 300 review number, guys. We're almost there, so help us out if you haven't already. That's huge. It's been a big help for us. But thanks for listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs. <laughs>